Welcome to the Teachers Podcast in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Ryan. Hi everyone. Welcome to series two of the Teachers Podcast. I've been recording episodes for about a month now, so I can tell you that we've got some really brilliant guests lined up for you on the run up to Christmas. I feel like so much has happened since the final episode of series one with Alistair Bryce Clegg. So I thought, as we ended with early years, let's kick off with early years. So in this episode, I interviewed Greg Bottrell, author of Can I Go Play Now, which was released back in 2018 and also author of School and the Magic of Children, which Greg released in March this year. He's also the creator of Adventure Island and Play School TV. Greg's passion is play, and that comes across so strongly during our chat. I love the episodes where I don't get to ask all the pre-planned questions because my curiosity just kicks in, and then we end up having a really authentic conversation. Well, this was one of those. So on the back of the interview... I loved thinking about my childhood and the magic in it and then relating that to what my children are experiencing now. So with that cryptic comment, I really hope you enjoy the interview. Greg, thank you so much for joining me on the Teachers Podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. Great to have your company and looking forward to chatting to you. So I'm feeling um, a bit nervous because I think you've done more podcasts than me. (laughs) But um, I reached out to you because I saw your work. I really liked it. And um, and after that point, actually, what was really lovely is I saw you do a live. I don't know whether it was on Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, and I was actually on holiday and you you were sharing a book. Um, and it was like you was teaching the lesson and it was so lovely. And um, I ended up buying that book. And um, I've got a four-year-old. Um, we really loved the book. Um, it was about wasps. Was it called the, the Giant Jam Sandwich yeah, or something like the that? Giant Jam Sandwich, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's an exquisite book. It was really good. So thank you for that. So you've given me value You're already. Welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. I don't know if the author actually wrote another book. I think it's actually a one-off. I don't know enough enough about him, but if, if it's the only book you ever wrote, it's just perfect in every way. It's lovely. It is a really, really good book, especially because we I was trying to get her to predict what would happen. Um, and I just think that's nice for a four-year-old. Um, yeah. So anyway, let's get to talking about you instead of um, about me. But So I ask everyone to give me uh, a life story, how they got into teaching, um, if they exited teaching, how they got out of it, you know, what, where, what's brought you to this point today. You can tell me from birth if you like, what, whatever you feel is interesting and relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I always wanted to be a teacher i think uh, my it was in the family my granzy as we used to call her my granzy was one of the first mm. women to go to teacher training college um back in 1920 i think it was wow um and my father was a chemistry teacher um so we always kind of sort of had it in the blood if you like i, I actually wanted to be an a-level teacher there's there's two things I'm really passionate about playing childhood but also story literature Mm. Um, and I I wanted to go and teach at A-level English that's what I kind of really wanted to do 
Um, but one or two things got in the way of that. And so I came to teaching quite late. I was probably 30, mid thirties. Mm. Um, and kind of my journey to that point was I used to work for a scrap store. Mm -hmm. I, um, so Gloucester scrap store. And um, we used to go and do projects with local children in, in Gloucester. Um, and there was quite a lot of children lived around the scrap store in quite a high, in a level of kind of, sort of quite a, a high deprivation. And we used to go and do lots of creative projects and, and I just loved it. I loved the buzz of it. Um, and we were fortunate enough to go out to Reggio Emilia uh, in Italy to their international conference all about play in childhood. And it was just, wow. it was incredible. And it kind of sort of coincided with the birth of my daughter. Um, and I think just through parenting and just what I felt about children, I think, and just as I call it, the magic of children, because I do genuinely believe children have got a magic about them. Um, that yeah, I ended up going in back back to college and trained to be a teacher. But I was going to be a year well, I wanted to be a key stage two teacher originally, mm. and ended up in in early years. And um, yeah, it's just a really beautiful place to work. And um, we played very, very hard. We kind of sort I created like a pedagogy that came from the soul. I'm a great believer in teaching from the soul, teaching in teaching what you believe in rather than a scheme. Mm. And I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity and um, people began to be quite interested in what we're doing because we were really, I felt we were doing something very different and quite extraordinary. And um, yeah, then the book kind of go and play now came out and, then I got offered to write a second book. And at that point, I knew I had to take the leap out of teaching and go and follow and follow my dream of, of trying to spread the word of play in childhood. And so that's what I did. So I left, I left uh, school a year and a half ago. And um, yeah, I mean, I, up until COVID came along, I was very much traveling around trying to show teachers play and its power and try and support this idea that actually play and learning are not separate. They're really, really not. Mm. Um, and yeah. And then since COVID's come along, we're doing lots of online stuff and that's brought us to today, I suppose it's, um, it's, you know, just, just as schools reopen, hopefully there'll be opportunities to go back in um, and, and begin to support schools again, because that's what it's about. It's a, it's yeah. almost trying to show schools that there is this magic world. Mm. And it's the magic world of childhood. And when you go adventuring in it, then just amazing things can happen. Do you know, um, you might not um, know this, but um, Robin Sharma, he, um, he's written a book called The 5am Club. And, it, and really it's for, yeah. for business people, but he, he actually talks about that magic that you're talking about and how we lose it. And we don't have the same kind of hope. And um, no. I completely agree. And I think, um, obviously, I've got a four-year-old and, and the, the learning that I can see that she plays out after we've had a conversation, she will role-play it. I just think it's really nice to see it in action. And I actually remember from my childhood doing that kind of thing. And, and mm -hmm. sometimes it's really helpful to think, how did I feel about this as a child? Yeah, absolutely. When that thing yeah. is is happening in front of you, yeah. and do you know what? When you yeah. when you're stressed and stuff, it's hard. But absolutely, it's really helpful to kind of step back, isn't it? And go, okay, what what was it? What was it like when I was going through this? 
if you can mm -hmm. remember. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the, one of the, 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 the one of the key things is, is that your my belief is that your childhood is your identity. Mm. So play is not play is not anything frivolous. It's not what something you do after work. It's not what you do at playtime. It is you. It's in your DNA. Mm. You can't take it out of children. And the more we erode it, the more we're actually eroding children's identity as to who they are. So I know that's for a fact because most children are actually born mathematical, but they come out of school and they believe that they're not. If we went to a straw poll of most adults, most adults will tell you that they are not good at maths. And that's something that's learned. They don't yeah. think they're create, creative, but they are. They once were. And unfortunately, we have an education system. And by the way, it's not, I have to be really careful because it's not a criticism of teachers at all. It really isn't. No. Because there are many, many, many wonderful teachers doing amazing things with children, working within a system. It's the system that we have that's at fault. So it's not the teachers. Um, but that doesn't mean that what we can't do is look to change it. Yeah. Because it does need, you know, I think if you ask any teacher, they would say to you, the education system needs to change. It does. And what we need to do is embrace childhood because you only have it once. You only have it once and you have this magic about you. And unfortunately, it goes or, or it doesn't I mean, it doesn't disappear. But we have a memory. You have a memory of it. You have a memory of something really special. And it is, you know, I'm a real believer in the soul, the soul of teaching. And so about teaching from the soul. Mm. It is about trying to. And I talk about it in my second book about soulifying children. That is what we should be doing. And unfortunately, we have a system that tells children what it doesn't do is show them. If we show children the world, learning pops out. The world is full of learning, chock mm -hmm. full. But what happens is we have curriculums that say you've got to know a fronted adverbial by the time you're seven. Well, you know, I it's a that to me is a claustrophobic curriculum yes children need to have skills but they also need to have the one word which is joy and if we don't believe children deserve joy then really there's a big question mark about about us as, as adults if we really don't believe they deserve joy because you know if your child if i said to you does your child deserve joy and are they magic you would say to me yes and if I said to parents, is your child magic and do they deserve joy? They would say yes. Mm. But do they get that in their in, within their education system? And that is an open ended question. Because mm. if they don't, if they don't get magic, well, what are we doing with them? Yeah. And, and it can vary as well. And, you know, obviously you said, you know, this isn't about teachers. This is about the system. No. But also it, it's about the knowledge that we're exposed to as well. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, I've talked about Robin Sharma. I do a lot of personal development in, in like business, um, things, but it's also personal development of self. And, and I already realized as a parent, I'm like, Oh, hang on. If I, I might've been brought up and that might've been said to me, but actually what I have learned is it might be better if I said this instead you know and and making sure um so i think the other day she said oh I, I can't do that and i think oh i probably wouldn't have challenged it as much as i do now um mm -hmm. because i know about the power of um your words and how much that really influences you at what you speak so it's very difficult because like you say it's, it's trying to change a whole system and a whole way of what we understand 
to be and trying to kind of rediscover something that we all knew when we were small. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And, and one of the things is, is that it will sound dramatic, but the past education system is dead. Mm. It's dead. It's not fit for purpose. We need something new. And, and part of my belief is, is that, and I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't bring it back to what I'm doing necessarily, or I hope I'm part of it, but there's many people who are building a new and along the way that new is going to come and it's mm. going to be based around play. It's coming. It is absolutely going to come because the the control that we've had over children all this time, and it is control, that is going, is going. There's going to be something new because ultimately parents are going to realise what's going on within the education system. Mm. And, you know, you notice it, you know, it's when, when parents come back to, you know, when they come to have visits to schools, often the one thing they feel about school is fear because they remember how they were treated. And again, it's not a criticism of teachers and it's not a criticism of school leaders. It's really not. It's about a fundamental unpicking as to what on earth we're doing with children in this country. And I mean, by that, I mean in England. So Wales and Scotland have woken up to play. They're doing some wonderful things at the minute. Mm. But it's about this whole idea of childhood. When does that stop? When does childhood end? Most, yeah. most, most childhoods end when they, when they, get, when they get to five. Because what happens is they end up being like, and it's the adult world that has all the knowledge and the children have somehow have got to acquire it. Mm. But in my belief and my philosophy is that actually the world itself is, is just chock full of learning as are the children. And it's our job as adults to listen to children because they're the ones who are in the magic. They're trying to tell us something. They're trying to tell us how to live again mm. and feel that joy. You know, we get bogged down, don't we, in the adult world of all the things and responsibilities. Yeah. And da, 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 da. You know, an education can end up being quite a dry world if we're not careful. Can be. But actually, it doesn't have to be. It no. can be the most wonderful experience, especially if you're five. You know, when yeah. I do training with people, I often say to them, join the one hand, join the one hand gang. And by that, I mean, just put one hand behind your back, hold up five fingers and look at how old the children are that you're responsible for yeah you know a five-year-old does not need to be doing loads of sentence starters and really kind of like overly dry mathematics they don't that's just us having a system that children have to fit in and yes it might give outcome it might give results but a child is not their results they're really not it doesn't it doesn't because um I mean, in in my family, my wider family, um, there's a five-year-old who a school didn't do continuous provision in year one, and it was not good. Um, they weren't ready. Um, thankfully, coronavirus happened, and uh, <laughs> a lot of um, a lot of progress has been made because you know a lot of a lot of things have changed. But um, and also, I suppose. That, uh, talking to to our team as well because um you know we're working on our sort of continuous provision and and things like that but um yeah it's interesting that you sort of you say that age group because i think that i suppose that's what concerns me as well as a parent so i want to know that year one is going to be fun and there's going to be mm-hmm. play there because i know i can already see how learning would be so much better 
in that way. Um, and I get that there might be some children who are maybe more ready for it, but some children aren't. Um, and all children would enjoy it and, and, and mm -hmm. do well in it. So, um, Absolutely. And we talk about this idea of being ready for year one, but, but it becomes a, just a meta narrative of what does that actually mean? What it means is they should be ready to sit at a table. Well, mm. you know, there's many, many year one teachers who aren't table based. They do amazing yeah, things. They, yeah. they recognize childhood because that's what it is. In my second book, I created something called the magic mirror, which is like 10 things that we should be looking for within any moment, any interaction with children, any teach phase of direct teaching, um, any any experience of children and we grade out, no we don't grade the children we, we grade ourselves out of 10 and if and um, you know so it's things like um did a child leave us more confident than when they were with us and i see that happen all the time where children are with adults but they leave less confident mm. because the adult is telling them that they can't do it very subtly and it isn't about that we should might again i'm a great believer in the idea of just you show children but you don't tell them Mm. you allow children the space and time to uncover the world for themselves and there's a there's this there's this real thing about somehow play being uh, i don't know it's almost like there's a if you allow children to play you're somehow not you know you're not preparing them for the world but it's the other way around we're in, we we are not being prepared for what for who children are we've kind of forgotten to remember what it's like to be a child and it's why I created something called co-play, which is co-play was where the adult joins in with the play. They're not, they just become part of the play and the teacher and the child and the environment that they're in becomes what I call the world of good things. And who doesn't want to be in the world of good things? Well, I do. Can you give me an example <laughs> then? Can you give me yep. an example of co-play? So even, you know, for, for teachers, but all, also parents. So say, for example... Yeah. Uh, my daughter is playing. Um, what does she like to play with? <laughs> um, I'm just looking around the lounge now, <laughs> <laughs> looking for the continued provision in the room. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, well, well take a classroom then, um, mm -hmm. an area that that a lot of schools might have set up in terms of mm -hmm. continuous provision. How yeah. how could a, a teacher co-play? They get invited in because the child knows that around you something good is going to happen. You're, you're not a, you're, you are the teacher, you have parameters, but you are, you have joy within you. You want to go and play with children. You want to be with them. You want to go and investigate and find out, not, not always questioning them. You know, often we get into this thing, Ofsted always have this thing about, you know, questioning children. Well, you know, it's, it just becomes really inauthentic. It's about this idea of just, you, you just go into their world with a really open mind. We, we're almost like we are, we're co-researchers with children. Yes, we know skills. It's a bit like what we have is we have a suitcase mm. of skills and that's our curriculum, if you like. And we go into children's play, but the co-play and children invite us in because they know that we as adults are going to have some really cool ideas about what we might play with in the water, that we might show the model to them, the different ways of playing, if you like. But they also know that I value what they're doing. And along the way, I, open, I pop up my um, suitcase and within it, I've got something called the three M's. And the three M's are mark making, mathematics and making conversation. 
the three things that all schools want, regardless of whether they're formal or not formal. We want children to have skills, but the idea is we're giving to them to children as a gift, not do this because I tell you to do it or do this because there's a test coming up. One of the things I'm really passionate about is playing with language. So, you know, in this country, we're obsessed with trying to, the adult world trying to prove itself. So it came up with the idea of the phonics screening test in year one. And it's got nothing to do with children, nothing. It's got everything to do with profit and, you know, someone selling a scheme and mm -hmm. proving that somehow the adult world has done something with children. So what mm -hmm. happens is all the different schemes get written to prepare children to read alien words, but it's completely inauthentic because all we're doing is we're just going well why do you do it well we do it because there's a test coming up whereas if we flip that and go and code play and you just have the joy of making up silly words and reading silly words just because it's joyful the moment they will come to do that phonics screening test they will pass in inverted commas because they've got the joy we've given them the skill but we've done it in a different way we've done it in these pop-ups of play so it's not this kind of thing. Co-play is not about not skilling children. It absolutely is. And co-play also has moments of direct teaching. We still bring children, a bit like a base camp, where we come and we'll say, do you know what, guys, check this out. This is really, really cool. Look, we've got this brand new sound that we're going to be learning. We teach that little bit on the carpet all together. And there are parameters around the carpet in terms of the behavior that we want, because if you know if children aren't going to listen to us they'd be better off playing yeah you know and it's like have this bit of skill we're going to need it and the idea is then that the children go into play but because children do not see ability they see one another and what plays beauty is is it can flip you know someone who might be leading the play can then become someone who's a follower and it doesn't follow ability at all doesn't recognize ability it just says to the children, there's solidarity. You come together, let's problem solve, let's share the joy together. The more confident children, that's the word I prefer to use about children, confident, the more confident children will absolutely teach the less confident. Mm. Children listen to other children more than they do to adults. They absolutely <laughs> yeah, they do. do. They absolutely do. But a traditional model is that the teacher is in control and you listen to me because I have got the lesson. So you sit on red table, you sit on blue table, you sit on yellow table, you sit on green table. And the children on blue table, who are normally the top children, never really get to experience anything with the red children who are normal. I don't know why red is the one that's always the bottom children, but it tends to be the one the red for danger. I've no idea. I think exactly it's because it's, it's fewer letters. Probably, I've no idea. <laughs> but what we do is we're just literally channeling children. We're just capping them immediately. Mm. But if we play with children, go and play with them, and there's an environment like, you know, you're saying like co continuous provision in year one, if it's there that children can begin to share understanding, children's learning goes whoop, because what they're doing is they're listening and sharing with one another. You know, I've seen it in my own practice where I've got really confident readers will go and show the less confident readers letter sounds. They'll support their reading with them because they've got the ability to do it. Mm. And the, children, the, the in inverted commas, low ability children suddenly aren't quite so low anymore because it's about confidence and curiosity. And it's about childhood and not the adult going, you are this. I see you as this. 
And it's not that we do it deliberately. They're just subtle messages. Yeah. Because you can guarantee the children on Red Table will stay on Red Table probably until they're in year six. It's about interest as well, though, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. when, when children are two and three, you go with what they're interested in. And then Absolutely. we get to a point where we go, oh, okay, well, we're not going to do that anymore. But like you said about the, um, you know, doing the alien words, if the children are interested, you probably wouldn't have to do that session you know, yep. or that, that co-playing very many times. Whereas yeah. if you're teaching it, you're going to have to do it all year. Absolutely. It's why, it's why I created um, my approach Adventure Island because Adventure Island is this most extraordinary way of working with children. It's like popping up a make-believe world. And within it, there's a machine that makes up stupid words, but they're just really stupid. And the, the idea is that you then start playing with them. You become, you as the teachers become like a character on Adventure Island who is kind of getting in a muddle and the children just help you out and they want to do it because you are the world of good things. They, they can see that you are joyful when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And it just brings the two, it just brings child and adults together. They know that you've got more skill and you know that you've got more skill, but they've got one thing that you don't have and that's magic, like yeah. real magic because yeah. children have what's called the seventh sense, which we used to have, but we don't have it anymore as much. And the seventh sense is to be able to see through the world of objects and pop out their possibilities. So for example, we as adults, we will see a cardboard box as a cardboard box and we'll just see it as something to to recycle. But children will see the infinite possibility of it. It could be anything. In the same way that when they go into the water, you know, a puddle, to a child is something extraordinary because there's a sensory but there's also an imaginary an imaginary world that's going on as an adult we walk past it because we've lost the magic or we've only got an echo of it and so children are showing us how to play they're showing us the world and the beauty of the three m's approach is is that there is absolutely nothing in this world that you can't do the three m's with nothing So the, the idea is you lose, you lose like in inverted commas, the ego of being the teacher that all the children are going to listen to. And you allow the world to be the teacher and you just show the children the world. And it just becomes this, it is, it's just a really beautiful way to work with children. It's something that I'm really passionate about trying to bring into schools to say, if you've got to have something, because I, I think, do think one of the things that makes early years in particular quite claustrophobic is whole school approaches to stuff because they're often created by people that don't necessarily have experience in early years Mm. and so the young very young children are almost being readied for this for the kind of system in inverted commas of what's to come but to my mind we need to start with these young children because we need to show them that there is a joy there is a joy in reading we read not so that we get onto the next book band book, because that's just competition. We read because there is a joy and something happens when we read. Something mm. magical happens. So it's kind of, it just flips it and it's just trying to switch it away from this whole kind of preparation agenda to saying, but we can still prepare children, but that's not the driving force. The driving force is showing children that we value them. And it's the one thing in England we don't do very well, I've got to say. As an educational policy makers, we mm. don't value childhood. And, and the, by the way, again, I know teachers value it. 
Because I feel like I get lynched by teachers. It's not, it really isn't about an anti-teacher thing at all. Because I've been there and I understand the pressure. I, I, you know, I, you know, I've had the tears. I've, it's, yeah. it's really, really, really brutal in the teaching world. It can be, um, but it is trying to flip it. And I, and I do think as well. Um, so I used to be a secondary school teacher actually, and mm-hmm. then when I went into primary, I went into key stage two, and. Um, for a time I did supply and nothing would kind of put the fear in me more than being asked to do key stage one. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the way that I um, understood, I suppose, teaching would just not, I was just, I don't know how to do it. And I think part of the problem we've got is that we don't understand really in the system that actually teaching in that um, phase should be completely different we, we we try and make it the same um yeah. but it, it should be completely different and that's kind of where we're going wrong and i suppose where we need to change things because you know listening to you and imagining the classrooms i'm thinking if i had walked into a, a classroom like that and i had had an adult explain it to me i probably would have really enjoyed that but yeah i would have walked in not understanding that does that make sense yeah, absolutely because the, the one the one thing that play it's it's achilles heel of play is that the adult world wants to have understanding of what it sees mm. play is the unknown you no idea what's going to happen when children play you've none you can't plan play but the adult world wants to have a plan it wants to be able to walk in and know what's happening but you can't you have to walk in and go i need to find out i need to discover the children i need to discover childhood that's what's the most exciting thing about it when especially when you co-play you are actually researching childhood itself you it's it's beyond you know again i'm not really into the idea even of being a teacher because it, it it sounds as it sounds quite a kind of control, you know I am going to teach you yes you do teach through co-play but it goes way 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 beyond that way beyond it it's a really exciting way but the difficulty is that the adult world wants to see what's going to come next it's raised on this linear approach but learning is not linear it really isn't children's children's imaginations and vocabulary and experience pop up all the time but we just want this kind of like because children have got to follow the path Mm. but play is not a one path it's infinite paths and it can go anywhere and the beauty of it is is you can take learning anywhere i mean i used to teach my three-year-olds in um the infinity symbol why not it's not in the curriculum there's with play there is no curriculum you don't need one you just literally just go in and you can take learning anywhere so when i did phonics you know we didn't really we followed a scheme if you like but we popped up all kinds of different letter sounds all the way through because why not why not show children in week three the ooh sounds not going to hurt them even if inverted commas are not ready the idea is i'm just showing them because there's a joy in it yeah and the children get your joy rather than when I come to the carpet to do phonics, I have to do this. And then when my teacher's not around, you know, it's why most boys want to go and play outside to get away mm. from the teacher because <laughs> it's freedom. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. And like, it's just trying to, again, it's not critical. I'm not being critical because I've been there. It's just, there is this world and it's waiting for us. 
It's like a, a door. It's waiting for the adult world to find it. And you've just got to push it open, big breath and go in. Because it's extraordinary what can happen when you're in there. So just the, the thing that I'm sort of seeing here is that, um, you know, it's really exciting to do. And I can totally see how, yeah, this is a fantastic sort of approach. Mm-hmm. So you're a teacher and you're like, yeah, I really want to do this or I'm trying to do this. But that means I don't really have a plan and my no. SLT don't like that. So no, you do have a plan. What you do is you have a plan for you. You don't have a plan for the children necessarily. So you might have a timetable. You, you'll have a plan. You know, co-play isn't about not teaching. You know, there is direct teaching in there. You, you do storytelling. You might teach mathematics, even though, by the way, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that the more you teach children mathematics, the less mathematical they become. But that's another, that's probably another <laughs> conversation for another time. Um, but the idea being is, is you plan what the where the children are in their learning so that when you're with them co-playing no matter what they're doing you can pick out that suitcase and you can choose whatever 3m or three two or one and you can pitch it right at the cusp of that child's confidence because you know them and you know them because you played with them so if children for example are struggling with a blending reading that's what you're going to explore in them so the idea of co-play it puts you right into the minutiae of learning rather than this sort of broad so you group the children and all the children are doing probably exactly the same to a degree it isn't that it's almost like it's kind of completely differentiated to the nth degree and that is where the progress comes because you've got these tiny little steps for children that often the kind of schemes of work miss out it's like you'd plan this but what about this what's stopping those children from accessing that bit and i've seen it you know i used to do it when i was a key stage two teacher i used to like, just hammer children with the same thing that they couldn't do but hmm. i never really unpicked what it was you know, it's like handwriting you know there's this belief that if children are in you know in key stage two if their handwriting not great you just give them more handwriting to do but there's there's something not quite there's not quite sort of sort of you know fall, fall into line for them there's, there's other things at play there and we've kind of got to go back mm. into child development and physical development which often is something that gets overlooked um and so it's kind of this idea of it, you are planning but you plan for you so again you, you you know it you know exactly you've got a map you know where the children are going to eventually get to but what you're doing is you're saying but children you have got choice and it's the one thing that children need. In fact, mm-hmm. it's the one thing that humans need is choice. And often our education systems don't give children choice. The choice is made for them. And we don't like it as adults, but our educational policy, policy makers think it's okay for children. And so there's yeah. a, just a question mark there. You know, it's like you can get all learning. You just all you're doing is, is opening up the, a, a landscape for children to explore and you go with them it's an adventure and it is it's an extraordinary way to work with children it really is you just come you finish the end of the day and you're buzzing you're very tired but you're buzzing yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably have quite a few paracetamol as well <laughs> yeah so just on that then if um hmm. if you're looking at um sort of trying to include more play and doing a plan for you you know have you got any tips of getting slt on board for this kind of approach 
when there's all the data and scores and league tables to worry about as well. Of course, but all, all of that doesn't have to preclude play. It's as simple as that. Play, play, play can achieve everything. It's like, play, what, you know, we, there was lots of debate about this catch-up curriculum coming back. It's play. Mm. Play is a catch-up. It's there. It's standing and it's free. And that's why often it gets overlooked because people can't make money out of it. You know, they've <laughs> got to come up with it. You know, it's like, it's like trying to teach children, um, you know, growth mindset. They've got it. It's play. Play is growth mindset. It's naturally, that's what it is. But because if you just let children play in inverted commas, a company can't come along and go, well, do you know, I've created this scheme and then you can have control over it and sit around and do a group activity and sit in a big circle. Children, lovely if that works, but children have already got something in their DNA and it's play. And it's play that will, you know, going back to your memory of your childhood, you know, most of the things that you recall will be about the freedoms that you had and the choice that you had and the ability to take risks and overcome them and problem solve and negotiate with your friends. And most children, you do that. Most adults, when you do it, it's an exercise called the gold afternoon fix where you go back to your childhood. Most of the time, an adult is not present in those real golden moments of your childhood. Most of the time, you're with other children. And strangely enough, most of the time, you're outside. Yeah. And there's one place that children have to probably earn to go is outside. It's extraordinary to me. I find it, I do, I do, you know, I have this thing where the classroom, the four walls is the learning, but it's not. It's everywhere, especially when you're 3M, because you can't escape them. They literally are everywhere. And, you That's know, it's really is, interesting now. I'm just kind yeah. of running through all the childhood memories I've got. Yeah, I don't, not really many are inside at all, mostly outside no. with the bike. But, yeah, most of them will either be outside with, with friends or inside snuggled, snuggled in a small space, either by yourself or with a, a parent reading a book, which goes back to the two things, the magic of play and the magic of story. And it's absolutely ingrained in us. And the idea and the work that I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to remind teachers and support them in, okay, do you want to take this journey? Because ultimately it all starts with the soul so again going back to slt leaders it's like okay but what do you believe children deserve if you mm. if you don't believe they deserve a, ch a childhood then that's quite a question to answer no i believe and you know it's like it starts there it's like what do you actually believe for children um and i think that's the thing for me is also with with parents you know, if I said to you about, you know, do you value your children's childhood? You wouldn't say to me that you didn't. And it's really interesting because lots of lots of people that I know who home educate, what job do you think they do? What do you mean? So people that 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 don't send their children to school and they home learn, what job? Yep. And why? First. Why? Why do they choose to do it for their children? Because they don't want to send the children into the education yep. system. Because they know. And this is why change is going to come. Because parents are going to know. They're mm. going to know. That's the one thing about COVID. They're going to know that, it's, that their children are capable. And they really are capable. And they're amazing and creative. And it's that creativity. What, you know, and again, it's like you get, you know, I, I, I was guilty of it when I was year four. I don't know what, hardly any creativity with my children, probably not as lot as choice. They did what I told them to do. Mm. The science, I, they did what I told them to do. There was no curiosity. 
And, you know, it's this thing of, you know, and it's telling, isn't it, if teachers are often the people that home educate their children, well, that's... They don't believe in it. That's, yeah, because they know. They know what the pressure is. And teachers yeah. know what the pressure is. It's, it's, it is. It's brutal, isn't it, teaching at times? Yeah. <laughs> Not at times, oh, it, most of the time. It is, and know? it's, oh, it's, it's, um, okay. it can feel like a thankless job, and it's exhausting, isn't it? Yeah, but that's also why I'm so passionate about co-play and, what, and, 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 and ensuring that we have magic, because it's not just for the children. It can just be the most extraordinary thing to do as a teacher mm. you know it, with, with adventure island i get inundated with people just going oh my goodness me i cannot believe the day that i have had yeah not about the children that i have had you know people and, and teachers that ha- have you know again with with can i go and play now the number of messages i've had from teachers said do you know what i was about to leave education but i read your book and it's made me want to go and give that magic to children. And it's not about my book. It's about play. Yeah. Play is the message. Not me. I'm, I just feel like, I don't know, it's like a conduit for it, I guess. And there are many other people who, you know, you, and you, you've chatted to them, haven't you, on, in your podcast, looking at the people that you've had. Mm-hmm. You know, Alistair Bryce Clegg and Ben and Elaine Bennett and these people, they're all passionate about, about play because they've seen it. Yeah. And they know it can work. It's just having faith. Yes. And it's really hard because we're in those systems, aren't we? Where we're trained to be the ones that are giving the lesson. But you have to I step out, don't dead. you? Yep, it's dead. Step out and be brave. Um, yeah. So you've, when, um, obviously, when um, I asked you to do the podcast, I asked you to fill a form in. And one of the things that was most intriguing that you uh, wrote on there, um, I said, do you know what? what uh topics would you like the podcast to be about and you put finding joy um which i just <laughs> thought was amazing i was like wow these are really easy to think of really good questions so my question is what is joy and how does an adult find it because we've talked a lot about the magic you know how does an adult find that well it goes back to this idea of of what of how we value children it goes back to the idea of do you have faith in them? Do you have hope for children? And not hope that, you know, you'll get them ready for, for the next year. Do you have hope for them in that day? Do you truly believe that children have some, that they have magic? Because I believe when we do that, the moment we start valuing children and giving them space within the day, it is an expression of love, of giving people choice. And, and, and allowing them, in inverted commas, to have independence. What we're doing is we're showing children that we value them. And the moment that we do that, joy steps into the room. It, my, I, I greatly believe that joy is the biggest behaviour management policy you can ever have. If, you can, if children have joy, then in inverted commas, they will behave. And it's all within play. It is. It's just that thing. If you engage children... They will, you know, my children in the school that I worked out, you know, they, they, it, we had some really quite challenging children, but we were committed to one thing that we were going to value them no matter what. And we were going to show them this world, this landscape that they could travel in and adventure in, and we were going to go with them. And at times we were going to, we were going to like be with them and at other times we weren't, we we're going to let them go and choose and decide what they wanted to do. And it's then that joy comes into the room because Children can see that the adult is not there to control, to, and I mean in inverted commas, control them. 
And what happens is, is as you see the child's joy, something happens inside you. Something starts spreading through you. Yeah. It's an, you have an emotional response to it because we're not robots and we're all carrying messages. We've all got a child inside us. We're just taller and we pay, pay mortgages and bills. We're still a child. We still have, you know, the biggest playground that we've got is Twitter. You're yeah, we Twitter. still play. We still play. Yeah. yeah, but it's just it's also got all the spite of a playground as well. And children and adults who should yes. know better just yeah. sniping at each other. It's like, come on, you you know, you're 48. But actually, what it does is it shows you that we never really do leave the playground. Mm. We're built on all these fears. We're really good as adults at putting all these masks up. You know, today's like National Suicide Today, isn't it? And you know that talk that, that I read somewhere that I mean I'm in that bracket of 45 year olds to 49 year old males. Every two minutes in Britain, one of them takes their life. Wow! And it's extraordinary that statistic. But what we do is we're told or we learn to put all these masks up about who we are. Mm. And my belief is, is it starts the moment we go into education. We learn very quickly to cover who we truly are but play is who we truly are mm. and we have an emotional reaction as children play we begin to kind of loosen up we begin to kind of respond to what they're doing because they're showing us how to be again and that, that's the joy that i'm talking about and it is, it is extraordinary finding this conversation really interesting and very relevant uh to me at this point in my life as well um so today i was listening to um a podcast um and they were discussing nlp actually um mm -hmm. and and about happiness and um the guy who was being interviewed he was basically saying that he can't happiness isn't all the accolades that he's got he's you know he's very successful he's made a lot of money he's got a really successful podcast, all these things. Um, but that's not who he is. Nope. Um, and I think it's really interesting that we're kind of talking about that because really it's the, it's the same thing. Um, who he is, he has to figure that out still as an adult. And when we're in the education system, we're saying who you are is what you can do. Mm -hmm. And it's, just, it's, it's a very similar absolutely. thing, isn't it? Um, yeah. But just well, from a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It's this idea of, like I said, to start with, the idea is, is that we are, we, are, we are there to soulify children. That is what our role is. I genuinely believe that. And along the way, yes, we will teach them. Yes, we will give them skills. And my, fear, my, my strong belief is that play has to echo through school. It cannot just stop at when children are six, because the moment you do it, you are denying them a childhood and you are eroding them. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, you can still, it's not, and it's this whole thing of like, somehow that play is anti-learning. It isn't. It absolutely is not. It, it's 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 that's why I created or or or, or sort of rebranded if you like this whole idea of co-playing with children you are in there with them and you are mm. skilling them and when you come to that carpet they want to come because they know something great is going to happen and if you're not giving them something great don't bring them to the carpet because the player's got more than you will ever have just flashcarding them to death with phonics 
and it's that it, i don't know you know it goes back you know it goes like, it's about education learning should be a gift reading mm-hmm. should be a gift the world of story should be a gift you know i hate it when i hear the word i've got reluctant writers well if we've got it's not them it's us we've given them a bad gift ultimately and you know it's, it's an amazing gift to give children to be able to write you can record something and then someone else can read it and you can get you know you can share an idea so it's why i created the message center approach which is you know thankfully lots of schools and nurseries are beginning to see the real power of it because it is an extraordinary way to work with children and it shows them that words can be magic and this idea of reluctant writers just goes out the window because children want to do it and why because they feel joy and who's there feeling it with them the adult so it's this whole thing of like i don't know it, it's uh it, it is it's trying to you know often we, we take play and we take learning and we pull them apart and then you work and then you play Mm-hmm. you do your work and then you go and play and well, you work no. for such a long time and play for yep. such a short time and yep. i was thinking about that just the other day i was thinking 15 minutes is such a short time to play out it's yeah just such a short time yeah absolutely and it's that thing of you know they've done lots of research aren't they particularly in, in america because they, they they've kind of pretty much eroded recess over there it's, it's almost you know and, and they're probably more they're probably doing more to erode childhood than, than, than most places. You know, they, they, they are, they, you know, they're into this real kind of, you know, children having to learn more earlier for some, mm. you know, and we're in danger of that, of that here. I mean, you know, school is beginning to creep into nursery quite quickly. Um, I feel, and by school, I mean, that in inverted commas, by the way, as in just schoolifying children. Yeah. And it's this whole thing of like being ready. And being ready carries fear because parents want their children to be ready. And it's an advertiser's dream because you make people afraid. And what you're doing is, is you're making children afraid of, well, not children afraid, but you're making adults afraid of what their children are. So when children play, they're afraid of it because they're not learning their letter sounds in inverted commas. But they can do through play, especially through co-play yeah and also at at that age like you say you know they might not be learning the letter sounds but actually the language they might be able to tell a really good story i mean my Mm -hmm. four-year-old the she she copies the language that she hears in the books we read and also if i make up a story to tell her she'll copy that language and i think you know i taught year four and some of them wouldn't write that kind of language and and i'm worried i'm thinking I want you to keep that. I don't want you to get to a point where you've got to write it and you think, oh, I'm just going to make them boring and short now because I don't have the concentration to get those sentences out because the sentences that she thinks of are amazing. You know, and it's, it's like that connection, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's also the connection between children. Because often when we think about play, we think about playing with objects, but play is also playing with ideas and it's playing with words and it's playing with one another. So it's not just, you know, building. There's, there's more to play than that. Play, play can take, and it's about make-believe and it's about story. Mm-hmm. Story is play. Yeah. You know, ultimately story is, this, is, is, a, is almost like a playground where children learn how to confront the malevolence of the world. You know, most stories have some kind of malevolence or struggle in it that the hero or heroine overcomes. 
and children learn along the way that actually you've got something within you courage that will get you past it and the, the one thing that is absolutely humming and buzzing with courage is play it absolutely is because children through play learn to go beyond their limits they learn what they can do they watch what other children can do and then they want to have a go or the other children will show them and again going back to the whole idea of the gold afternoon fix of your own childhood if you ever went out to play with children a mixed range of children you came to a hedge that you couldn't get past the older children could get over it you didn't just leave the little children you got them over you worked in solidarity with them to get them over the obstacle so again play teaches one another teaches children that ultimately we are there for one another and i think that's one of the biggest things that play contains within it because when we think about you know things that have been going on and by the way when i say things have been going on recently you know racism has been going on for a long time but it's become very uh, you know more in the spotlight if you might say mm-hmm. so in my mind play has the answer to that it absolutely does because play with with play children see one another as equals mm. they absolutely do they do not they, they might spot a difference but it's not important to them what's important is how can we problem solve together how can we negotiate what do you know that i need to know and the beauty of play because it's so open-ended any child from any culture can come into a room and play it's the universal language but what happens is, is the adult world begins to separate it out and what it does is it pits children from different cultural backgrounds against one another because you've got to get this group to meet the same progress as this one and then suddenly what we do is we end up taking certain children away from play because what we've got to do as adults is get them to a certain level and then we create this kind of sort of play deficit so it's i, I believe that's 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 something that i do genuinely believe in that play it might it might sound naive to say it's going to solve the world's problems but i would love to give it a go to see whether it could at least have a better attempt than most of what the adult, adult world has managed to pitch at it to so far. I um, I understand what you're saying. I think, you know, a lot of um, a lot of athletes will visualise when they're going to uh, do a race or something to be mm-hmm. successful, and um, the research shows that your brain doesn't really know the difference, and it's a similar thing with play isn't it you're you're acting it out I, I remember playing as a child a lot about acting it out I actually went on to do a performing arts degree so I obviously didn't go right. out of it because I just wanted to do acting yeah. um mm-hmm. but at the end of the day you you're creating those experiences and although they may not be real you're learning from those experiences as if, as if they were aren't you yeah absolutely absolutely and it's it's that thing of it's a it's got context it's meaningful it's your purpose play is your purpose not my purpose but when i come and co-play then it becomes our purpose it's like a shared space that we're in Mm. Uh, and that's the beauty of it often what stops play happening is because as educators we are under pressure to get children over a line and you know again not being critical at all this is goes about educational policy any curriculum is a construct it it's make-believe there is there is no line in this there isn't a good level of development that doesn't actually exist 
someone made it up mm. it's a construct so then we have that's where the catch-up thing comes from but actually you know if we if we go to a country that doesn't have children in school in the way that we do and they wait and have lots of play-based learning until they're seven if we went to those countries you know they're not walking around like zombies are they they they're just as yeah. intelligent as we are yeah but what they have often got is more of a social fabric because play is the social fabric and it doesn't Absolutely. mean either that they haven't learned some of those things um that yeah. we might teach in school if they're interested absolutely and that is, that's the critical thing so the critical thing with copeland is what i try and do when i go into schools and work with them is to say it's not it's you will get the progress that you want or that you need but you'll also get it with joy and not mm -hmm. fake joy not the fake joy of taking you know year seven on um, you know seven-year-olds on a trip to the beach and then the next day saying let's go and write a recount because that <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, because it's just, it's not authentic. You know, nobody does that. No one goes to the beach at home and comes back and, oh, mum, dad, stand aside. I wanted to write a recap. We don't, <laughs> we do it because the curriculum says to do it. Yeah. So it's completely inauthentic. But the idea is it's not. And I know why we do it, because in the curriculum, it says children have to write a recap. But they don't, they don't have to have that inauthenticity when they're five. Let's just try and focus on giving them some joy so that when they do have to write that recount, they at least do it with, you know, with the echo of joy. I think that's, that, that's kind of what I'm getting to, yeah. um, you know, because, you know, of course, as children go through school, the curriculum just goes, doesn't it? You know, it's because it's, there's so much content to get through. Yeah. You know, you could argue, well, you know, why am I going to fit, fit all this in? Mm. Well, you know, Okay, if you're in year six and you're not quite sure how to, to fit it in, uh, there's two things. At least ask the question how you might. But then also, don't, don't insist that, the year, that the, your five-year-olds are having the same experience. Actually, yeah. let's value this joy and this curiosity because what it will do is well, it will can. absolutely a million percent pay dividends by the time they get up to, to, to you. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I'm really enjoying this chat. Sorry, totally I'm like ranting. no you're not rambling at all no, um no. i just keep asking you um extra questions um no, that are not on these so i'm probably not going to ask you all of these but um so obviously i spoke to the teams i always do um and jan wants to know your opinion on um children starting school at four rather than six um just yeah. because you know um, one yeah. of the things that she said is that we get children in at four and then we start saying they're behind before the rest of, uh, you know, some of the other European countries have even started school. Yep. Well, again, you know, none of us, none of us work for the government. So we'll never, we'll, well, not that we'll never change it because hopefully it can change, but we you know we're not in a position to change it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, it's too early. Of course it's too early, but it's also, well, it's only too early. It depends what you're doing with them. Mm. If, if you are showing them the world and you are, you are adventuring into magic, lovely, go for it. But it's not childcare. And I think that's the thing we have here, particularly with COVID-19, is that somehow school is childcare so the adult world can go back to work. Well, if that's how little we value children, that says a lot about the adult world. You know, children, 
children when they come to school should be, be given I'm talking about four and five and six year olds now, but we can extend that right the way through to A level if we wish. They should and they deserve to have adventure every single day. That's mm -hmm. what they deserve. And yes, there are going to be moments actually when probably we are going to probably do something quite boring with them. But that's why you have the magic mirror and you hold it up and go, did I actually progress childhood here or not? And if you didn't, then the magic mirror tells you not to do it again and think about a way that you can do it. So that children have that sense that you know it's 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 a it's been a moment where they moved forward as a, as a as a person because let's not forget that's what children are they're not just numbers on a spreadsheet although there are many many people that seem to think that they are but they're not it's all about this idea of they are who they are now it's not about what you're going to be when you grow up it's about what you are today you know, I had no idea that I'll be sitting here talking to you about play when I was when I was six. I think mm -hmm. I wanted to be a policeman or something. Well, probably a lollipop lady. Lollipop lady. Lollipop man, I should say. To be fair, even at six, you don't really no, you even no know what it means. You just ah. say something. Yeah. I mean, I don't think like I even remember what I used to say because I didn't know. Oh. So I didn't want to kind of pin myself down to anything. Absolutely. But it goes back to this idea of valuing. Where what happens is the adult world values its curriculum. It doesn't value childhood and identity. So, so most, pe most creative people come out of school, not because of school, but in spite of school. Mm. And because what, what we have is we have this system that is almost like an authority over children. And then you get out the other end, then where's the authority gone? Well, it's disappeared and you, you no longer have necessarily the skills to go and meet the world as you could have done when you were a child. And by that, I mean, having that creativity and confidence because, you know, and it, it does, you know, creativity along the way often gets ironed out of children quite quickly because the adult world is very quick to show or to tell children. Let's do, you know, we're going to do, um, you know, what's the one, Matisse, the, the snail, I think it's in year two or used to be probably under the QCA all those years ago and you know children then replicate you have 30 of exactly the same thing and that's their that's their their creativity or it's time for the christmas cards to come home and every single christmas card looks exactly the same well that's not creativity that's just yeah. the adult world telling you what to do you know you, you, you put your handprint on the paper you then leave and the ta just kind of sort of makes it look neat so it can go home and all that does is a it shows a child that you don't value their creativity it absolutely does yeah and they begin to believe that the only thing you know the only thing of value is when you're with an adult that it's absolutely happens but also it perpetuates a myth to parents that that's what creativity is and it ain't no. so what we're doing is, is we're doing two things we're eroding the new generation and building a myth for the one that have left school so we're not changing anything and my belief is in education we should be trying to change something because it's bust it's bust it's, you know <laughs> what's making me laugh so much about this slightly unrelated but um oh so we have a very creative uh four-year-old and i, I, I do say to her you're gonna you're gonna be an inventor um to the point where i will cut a label off new clothing and she will say can I save it for my craft box? And I'm like, really? Do you really need to save this? <laughs> okay, then. Um, I draw the line, you know, if we go to the caravan and she wants to bring all the rubbish home. But um, 
anything and everything sort of just becomes something else, like you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the four year Absolutely. But that's the thing about, is it too early for four-year-olds? No, it's not if, if they're valued. Mm. But if they're not valued, yeah, if they're not valued when they're, when they're 12, it's too early. We have to value children and not just value the curriculum and us getting them over the line. That's, that's not valuing children. And I don't say that glibly because I know how hard it is. I know the pressures that we're under. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, I often, I often think, you know, we, we probably share more tears as we, as, as teachers often, don't we? It's, it's, it's hard. But it's, it's like just a tightrope, isn't it? Now. Yeah, massively. Sort massively. of pleasing, um, pleasing above and then yeah. making sure that children are happy and learning and, and confident and, and everything else. Um, yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much. We've, um, we've talked lots and I'm just conscious of your time as well because... Um, I'm conscious of yours. Oh, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> I normally get up at five, but I might just get up at six tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But just my four closing questions that I'd really Mm. like to ask you. So if you could wave a magic wand, how would you solve the life-work balance problem? The life-work balance problem? Yeah, for teachers. How how would you solve it if you had a magic wand? Um, Well, uh, to be honest, it it would need a massive transformation of the education system <laughs> mm-hmm. but um you know one thing is 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 probably to actually somehow get policymakers to sit down and actually look at what it is they think learning is and what teaching is because most of the things that we do with children are actually or, or that are demanded of children are, are an illusion mm. you know you know we you can come back to things like i don't know it, it's like marking who is it for yeah. Is it really for the child? I don't, and that's an open question, by the way. So I'm not, you know, if someone out there who loves marking, lovely. But you know, it takes a long time. Who is it actually for? Who I think that's what pushed me over the edge in teaching. I think that's yeah. probably why I left the marking because I just yeah. really didn't enjoy it. No. And paragraphs that you knew some children couldn't even read it. I think I think the thing is, is 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 this idea of just 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 on that going back to play just for one moment. It's about this idea of being an authentic educator, and often what happens is we have to teach through schemes. And so the moment we do that, is it coming from us? It's not. It's coming from a scheme. And I'm not criticising, again, I've got to be really clear, that's not a criticism of teachers, because I know why we do it. But what we end up doing is we become alienated from ourselves as to who we are. We lose the creativity and we lose that sense of who we are as people, because now we're starting to become potentially quite robotic in what we're doing. We're looking at something outside of ourselves to teach from. So, and again, it's, I know why we do it, but it's why play is so important because then we do become authentic educators because it's coming from us. Cause you can't, because again, going back to, you can't plan mm. you as in for the children, you, you become far more immersed in what you're doing and it does, it brings you to life. But that, that's kind of what I would say is it's things like really just sitting down and thinking, okay, what are all our routines that we do? You know, it's like sitting in staff meetings. You know, I mean, how many percentage of staff meetings 
would you say if you took a whole, you know, a, I don't know, an hour and a half staff meeting, how much of it could not be done in an email or done quicker than it is? You know, and again, I'm not criticizing. It's just a question. All of these things are a question. Mm. Uh, you know, they're just a question. But that's kind of what I would do. I yeah. think then it would make a massive difference. Yeah, I think it would. I, think, I actually think having more play in the curriculum would make a massive difference because you wouldn't have to mark books for a start. No. <laughs> which no. would be really helpful um no. especially if you're just giving verbal feedback which you would be doing mm -hmm. through the play um where do you think education is going to go in the next 10 years well uh, my hope is that this that there is a culture that's coming and play is holding its hand and childhood is, is coming that's i do believe that I want to have the faith that it's going to come. So and, do I, because I've got young young children. Absolutely. And I will say, having as a teacher, the moment you have your own children, I believe something does change for mm. you because you begin to think, going back to what I said about, you know, home educators, you begin to think, actually, is this, do I really want this for my, for my child? Um, but there is also, a, you know, this meta-narrative that's building about the catch-up. And it's a really, really dangerous one. Because, again, it's based on a construct of a deficit model. But children, you know, children have learned, in inverted commas, probably far more, or many children have. And I understand that not every child, again, I'm not yeah. good enough to think that, you know, there are children that have had the most horrendous time at yeah. home. And actually school is their safe space. But what's going to happen to them now, and you can guarantee it is, they are going to be in an intervention city. And they are, that's another lockdown in itself. They're going to end up locked down, you know, doo -doo 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 -doo, hammered with stuff so that they can, in inverted, catch up. And again, I know why we do it. And I know, you know, I understand why we do it. But it's just, I believe that that narrative is quite a dangerous one. Mm. And, I, and I hope you know because again it's based on a curriculum that's not you know it's not fit for purpose because it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of um it seems to be really big news but in the in the lifespan of of a child education it's not that much time nope and i suppose that's what's no. confused me more than anything um obviously no. i think um <laughs> the ages of my children made it really difficult to do any work um yeah. but on the other hand you know you've got all the you, you've got things at home it's it's for a four-year-old it's probably much easier for us to sort of just carry on as normal and and, and learning to happen rather than maybe a seven-year-old with a parent yeah. stressing all about that so so i can be absolutely. grateful for that but um yeah, yeah it's absolutely. not a lot of time is it no, it isn't. But it's also, again, it's this idea of just questioning. Is that what children need? Do children need, you know, when I looked at like the intervention program that's come out from this from, from government and, you know, it's about language development. Well, actually, again, if you drew a circle and you wrote every single skill that you want for children, regardless of catch up or not, you wrote every single thing that you want for children inside a circle that circle is called play play is its own intervention sitting being bored by a ta who's trying to ram vocabulary down mm. your neck 
is not childhood. That's eroding childhood. So what's happening now in that model is that we, the adult world, is trying to get what it wants out of children again. So what it tells me is it's learned nothing. You know, a global pandemic's come along, and even then, in England, we can't seem to think to value children out of it because what we're valuing is is our curriculum. And I understand why, and I get why, because obviously people go, well, if they're in year four, they've got to be ready for year five, and we don't want them to, in inverted commas, fall behind. I understand that bit, but absolutely not for five-year-olds. Yeah. Because five-year-olds have got play, they're brimming with it, and when they come back, that's what they need, as, as I would say also four, five, and six, and seven, eight-year-olds and on. To be honest, I did find that interesting because um, I talked on on the podcast just as um, kind of lockdown start hap- um, happened, and I talked about trying to make things practical, trying to make things very playful, especially for older older children. Um, and the thing, the way I see it as well, is that if there's one thing that children could have developed more during lockdown was language. Um, because they're going to have yeah. lots more conversations and maybe more yeah. time for reading books. And Well, there is a theory that ad hoc that that's actually happened. I mean, again, I've, I've heard from lots of people that have said that's actually been the reality for them, that, that children yeah. haven't fallen behind. What they've had is, is lots of parent patter at home. Now, of yeah. course, there will be children that haven't, but that doesn't need to become the narrative of catch-up. No. It's this whole thing of like, you know, oh, my goodness me, it's going to be this. Yeah, there will be. Of course there will be. It's inevitable yeah you know there'll be some there'll be lots of families out there that 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 need to be in school but then it's about okay but what are they doing in school not just being you know being in school isn't the answer it's what are they doing in school yeah so it's just again it's they're just question marks you know to kind of like it's not it's not this immediate oh my goodness me they're now in deficit so we're going to do we're going to hammer them with this yeah because that's not childhood and it goes back to what we value yeah and there will be a lot of children as well um so one example um so my daughter would come in when we were doing the um sort of online meetings and then she would she would say um things to us like um so she she'd go mommy will you see my point is and i'm thinking where she got that from and then i'm thinking oh it's that's the zoom meetings there's (laughs) there's so many things that they will have picked up in terms of language i believe um and and like you say i I know it's not every child but i think it's a lot more children than maybe we realize oh massively and and again it's this this thing of going back to the, the philosophy of the three m's if you look at those curtains behind you, this won't work on a podcast, but that, those, you, that is teeming with the three M's. There's nothing, you can't, there's nothing in those curtains that you can't talk about with language, make conversation. There's nothing in it that you can't be mathematical about. And there's nothing in it that you can't message about when you've got a message center. Literally nothing. So if that's the case, play has everything. It mm. absolutely does. The whole world around us has got them in them. And it's about, when we bring children's notice to the world, then learning just pops out at them. They can't help it. But the moment we begin this deficit model of come to me and here's your language group, instantly it tells the children that there isn't learning in the world and learning only happens with an adult, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Because then it, what we're, not, we're saying to children is they're not capable of learning without us, but they absolutely, they are. Yeah. absolutely well and it's more likely to stick isn't it if it's interesting yep 
Absolutely. Um, like your Zoom conversations. Yes. <laughs> that's, the, that's the funny thing, yeah. Um, so, um, and that's only because she likes to come in and, and wave at everybody and be the centre of attention and disrupt everything yeah. as they do. Yeah, well that's that's um, the magic of children. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose really what's probably been interesting for lots of children is meeting all the other um, colleagues' children as well. You know, are they on the Zoom yeah. call as well? Um, <laughs> so who was your favourite teacher at school and why? Um, well, it was a. It, I've had several favourite teachers. Um, one that really sticks out was a guy called Mr. Dizon, who was my year four teacher in primary school. But I only liked him because he's going to sound terrible now. But um, back in it would have been the seventies, he used to smoke a cigarette at the door while we did mathematics. <laughs> and there's just I don't know. It just really stuck in my mind. Like there was something cool about terrorism. I actually did smoke for. for 20 years because of Mr. D's on probably because I used to think he looked really <laughs> cool by the door. Um, but, um, so was Mr. D's on, bless him. But I think with the, the, the true answer is probably in my secondary school. I think it was my secondary school teachers. I mean, all my, all my, I've, I can remember all of my teachers from, from, from primary school and they were amazing. But there was a couple of teachers in their secondary school that, that, that really saw me as a young man and they were pivotal in probably where I am today. So, you know, and I think there they they was, there was, yeah, t two of them, um, Mrs. Nagel and a guy called Mr. Pike, and uh, well, they were both English teachers, and they just brought the world of books alive to me. So I guess I'll always be grateful to them. Thank you. And I think you've already told me, but um, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> Policeman, I you know I I I, I probably probably I probably still have this thing of uh, I don't know I just I just yeah I, I never really knew I don't think we used to have like careers you know you had a careers advisor at school oh, yeah. I don't know if you get them anymore you had to do like you had to like do like, like print it out like a, yeah did the test and it printed yeah. it out but it was all like like the paper I don't remember it was like just really you know, back in the eighties like a sort of vidi printer printer and i think then it told me i was a policeman but i think I only did it because i deliberately answered the questions so it came up with the answer policeman because well, i really wanted to be one this is the thing it did i remember doing it thinking am i swaying it by answering yeah, this way and it actually said that i should be a teacher and yeah, i was just like that. that is just ridiculous i'm yeah. never going to be a teacher and that was yeah. that was my journey and i fought against it for quite a long time yeah and then succumbed yeah um and that was only because um i ran out of things to do um after well like i did my degree and i was like oh what am i going to do oh well the funding yeah. the funding the pgc yes of course uh, so, but anyway it came around in the end but thank yeah. you so much this has been such an interesting conversation and i always um i always feel really what's that? i don't know if selfish is the word but um Obviously, you're an early year specialist, and I always think, oh, there's something that I can really sort of use right <laughs> now in my life as well. So thank you yeah, so much. Um, no, you're it's welcome. so helpful for me and everyone. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, you know, all, anything that I'm saying, it's not an attack on teachers. It really isn't. I have to be really clear about that. Um, it really isn't. It's just that we have to question what we're doing with children, and we've got to question what we're doing about two things play and childhood because they're critical and they're absolutely critical to the future they really are
but thank you I, i've really enjoyed chatting to you and i, and I hope it's made sense and um you know, oh, it's made so much sense and i think when it gets released which i don't have a, a specific date yet but um i think there'll be a lot of people um buying your book absolutely or oh, two books um fab yeah is it on audiobook um, it's about to come out as an audiobook on the 28th of September. I'm really glad I asked that question because... Um, Although it's not me it's not me reading it. I don't think they wanted my um, my Nottingham accent, but um, with A up me duck and all of that. But um, yeah, so that does, that, that does come out, which I'm hoping is, is going to get it over to America because it's a place that I, I really can see the book. Yeah. Again, just it just way, it's, it's just one big question mark, really. Yeah. Oh, well, good luck with that. And I hope, yeah, I really hope it does. Audio books my life. I've like always like listening to about three. So I'm really excited now because I'm like, I can really, really get into it if it's an audio book because I'll actually be able to get it in my life. Yeah, eight. Well, it's not it's not read by someone like Tom Hardy, unfortunately. But you know, I don't think, I don't know who they got to do it. But um, I'm sure they got someone who at least brought it to life. But um, yeah, it comes out at the end of this month. To be fair, I've I've never listened to one with a celebrity. It's, it's well, all about go. the content, so yes, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So well, thank, thank you very you. much. Mm. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Did you try the gold afternoon fix? And we all memories outside and without an adult. I found that just fascinating. I've started thinking about the three M's in the everyday since this chat. The one thing that I think stood out for me from this conversation with Greg is that it's imperative that all adults understand the importance of what is happening during play, why the adults are facilitating it, and then what the school gets out of it. I really hope that it's given you some food for thought. Also, if you have young children, then definitely check out Greg's YouTube channel for Play School TV. My children have really enjoyed watching Greg, Effie and Bonnie, who are his dogs, on their adventures in the woods and the amazing discoveries that they make, and it's inspired them to get creative too. Greg is very active on social media, so it's worth following him for more tips and ideas, and to find out when he'll next be in your area for in-depth CPD. You'll find everything that Greg and I talked about in the show notes. Our listenership has grown so much during the past 15 months since we started the show, so if you love listening, I'd be so grateful for your five-star review on your usual podcast app. You can also join me in the Teachers Podcast community on Facebook. See you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teachers Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.